Matthew seven fifteen. Inherent in leadership is a need to be trustworthy. Why? Because leaders are followed by people. If leaders aren't trustworthy, then many can be led astray. Leaders who are off lead many followers off cliffs and into destruction. Remember, we talked last week about the broad way and the narrow way. Well, the broad way has heralds at the front of the gate yelling, Come this way. Come this way. Follow me. And many, many follow them onto that broad way that leads to destruction. As many leaders are there of their... Uh, 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 that are on the narrow way, there's probably twice or three times as many leaders leading to the broad way. And Jesus addresses that in our passage today. But think about history for a second. Think of the millions of people that have been led astray by just a few leaders. Leaders like Hitler. Millions and millions of people were killed causing the Second Great War, the World War II. Lenin and Stalin, millions of people murdered through communism. Not to mention Muhammad. Right now, close to a billion people follow this false teacher into destruction. Joseph Smith... 15 million Mormons right now. Charles Taz Russell, close to 9 million Jehovah Witnesses. You're just talking about, what, six, seven people leading to the demise of millions and millions and even billions of people. A leader must be trustworthy, faithful to God, Trustworthy to what he says. If there was one thing that gets God angry, it's wicked leadership. Why? Because the consequences are catastrophic if leaders are evil and they lead with their wicked motives. Beloved, we will see today Jesus wraps up his Sermon on the Mount directly, directly addressing false leaders, false prophets. Jesus expressed his desire or his dire warning for the disciples concerning these false prophets. Paul gave a similar warning. Listen to these words from Acts 20. Very similar. It sounds so much the same. Be on guard for yourselves and for all the flock among you, which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers, to shepherd the church of God, which he purchased with his own blood. I know that after my departure, savage wolves will come in among you. Not sparing the flock, and from among your own selves men will arise, speaking perverse things, to draw away the disciples after them. He warned, Jesus warned, everywhere you look throughout the Bible, there's this warning of false prophets, false prophets, they're out there, false teachers. Dear friends, the single greatest grief in my ministry 
is seeing people drift away after false teachers. We live in a day when you can listen or watch hundreds of thousands of sermons and tens of thousands of different preachers. Or you can read hundreds of thousands of books written by tens of thousands of preachers, professing preachers and teachers. Not to mention the constant stream of blogs, tweets, posts by everyone under the sun. We um, are bombarded by information, aren't we? It's coming from everywhere. You could literally sit in your house and listen to a sermon all week long, 24 hours a day, and not even come close to getting it all every week, just all the way through. You'll never reach the end. There's sermon after sermon after sermon after sermon. We live in a time when we are blessed with access to countless great resources. But also, we are also just a click away from a doctrine of destruction. Beloved, the warning Jesus gives the disciples today is one we all must take seriously. Must take it to heart. Now I know at this point... We can often be accused of, oh, man, you're, you're, you're going to beat up people again. You're going to call out names. You're going to do these things. No, beloved, it's not about me. It's about what the Scriptures say. And the Scriptures say, be careful. Be alert. Pay attention. So today... We're going to examine the evil deception of the false prophets who seek to derail Jesus' disciples. The passage breaks down into three parts, very simple. The caution to be alert for false prophets in verse 15. The characteristics of the false prophets in verses 16 to 20. And then the condemned future of the false prophets in verses 21 to 23. I hope you will all heed this message. You will listen and pay close attention to what you listen to, what you watch, what you put into your mind. And that we will all be cautious. Let's start with this first one. The caution to be alert for the false prophet. Look at verse 15. Jesus starts and he says, Beware of the false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly are ravenous wolves. Again, this is in that sermon, that sermon where Jesus has very clearly laid out a di- uh, uh, two different paths, two different ways. The ways of righteousness and the ways of the Pharisees or the self-righteous ones. I believe this is the main person he has in mind when he talks about these false prophets. That they would arise from that group. He says, be aware, or beware rather, to be in a state of alert, alert, be deeply concerned about, to be alarmed over false prophets. Be concerned about this problem and about these people. I think it's very important for everyone in this room to take this warning seriously. 
we need to be discerning and wise. We must realize the same evil one Jesus warned the disciples of is behind today's false teachers. They're everywhere. And the evil one is working to propagate his evil message of destruction. Our, our society often wants us to embrace anyone and everything with little to no discernment. They play on our heartstrings and our emotions, don't they? That's what the world does. We must not fall into this trap. At the same time, this doesn't mean we should become hypercritical either. How do we walk this road? How do we walk this narrow path? Same thing. We abide in Christ. We abide in His Word. We pray. We seek Him. We trust Him. We continue to evaluate our hearts. We continue to look at the Scriptures. We test everything. We're good Bereans. That's what we do. I want you to be a good Berean here too. If I say something wrong... It's all right. Come talk to me. If it doesn't line up with scripts, come on. Come talk to me. If my pride is so big that I can't hear somebody ask a question, then I shouldn't be in the job. The fact of the matter is, is we all make mistakes. We're all humans. So come talk. Be discerning. But ultimately, you must abide with Christ, right? That's what we talked about. You must pray. You must pray for discernment. You must pray for protection from false teachers. We must pray for God to expose false teachers. I'm so thankful this is one of the prayers that's been answered for me over the 20 years of my walking with Jesus. It's amazing how many people that I, I've had those little righteous angers in my soul. Man, I wish this guy would get exposed. And within a couple of years, boom, he was exposed. God answers those prayers. He wants to protect his sheep. And we must pray for each other's protection. We must be praying for God to work in all of us. So why should we be so cautious of these false prophets? Why should they? Well, here we see their general... Their gentle outward appearance. Their gentle outward appearance. They have sheep's clothing. They look like sheep. They dress like sheep. You might not see them initially. They look like they blend into the flock. You couldn't tell which one's the evil one and which one's the right one. Or both of them are sheep in this case. Why do they use sheep's clothing? Ultimately, the evil one's doing this so that they can get close to the sheep to lead them astray. They appear similar to us. They look like us. They have some of the same jargon we have. They use the same terminology we use. They talk like us. They look like us. They use words like Jesus, the name. They use his name. They Use salvation and deliverance and righteousness and holiness. And they talk about all those same things. They are possibly even gentle or present themselves as humble initially. You look at them and say, wait, 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 wait. This, this guy was really 
nice. It's gentle. If they have sheep's clothing, they look on the outward somewhat like a sheep. That's interesting, isn't it? Listen, I think all too often we think that the devil is only that which we saw in Arkansas this week. Where they posted the, the statue of the devil. You know, the devil God, that, because they were complaining that their Ten Commandments were there, and they had to have a statue of the devil God, too. Now, that's absolutely lunacy, I agree. Nuts. But do you understand that the devil and false prophets don't dress up like the devil? They dress up to look like us. They look like sheep, like me and you. They disguise themselves, but their way is evil. Their destruction is horrible. Inwardly, they are ravenous wolves. Boy, I saw that picture. I was like, man, that that makes the point, doesn't it? The false prophets have a, a heart problem. Do you understand? Notice it says... Inwardly, inwardly, not outwardly, they cover that, they disguise that. Inwardly, heart problem. Inwardly. Hasn't this what, isn't this what Jesus has addressed all the way through the sermon? He's talked to them and said things like, they say to you. And they talk about this outward external, do not murder. Right? But inside, their hearts are far from God. And in fact, in chapter 5, we'll see, or we saw, that they do things just for the approval of men. So they know how to clean up the outside of the cup real well. Their hearts might not reveal itself, by the way, initially. Again, if you dress up as something, it's going to take time for that to be discovered. You know, somebody comes out with a new book. A Christian author writes a new book, and you say, and it becomes the greatest thing. And it immediately flies to the top of the bestseller list in Christendom. Number one book, what? Your best life now. And everybody says, this is it, or purpose-driven life. This is it. And then you have guys like your shepherds, your elders saying, okay, just be careful. Just be careful. Well, can you see something really wrong with it? Well, it just kind of is really watered down. And it seems to appeal to your flesh more than it does to your heart. And it talks a lot more about external things like, you know, being rich. Healthy, wealthy, and prosperous now. And we say, wait, 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 just be patient. Wait. Read it, but be very discerning and careful. And then ten years later, the author is meeting with the Pope. Oh. Now we see the truth. 
Hmm. They're like ravenous wolves. They're compared by Jesus to a vicious, hungry, violent, desperate wolf. Wants to take others down. What makes these false prophets so dangerous is they disguise their true nature. What you see on the outside is not who they are on the inside. They are masters of disguise. These false prophets are most likely the ones Jesus has already talked about. Like I mentioned, look, they are the ones who twist the scriptures to allow for wicked behavior. They are the ones that chapter 5 talked about. They are the ones who do religious works for the approval of men, as chapter 6 talked about. They are the ones who are self-righteous, and they condemn others, and they exalt themselves. They are the ones, the actually the ones who promote the broad way that leads to destruction, as I mentioned. Friends, we all need to take this warning seriously. If these ravenous wolves disguise themselves, how can we know and discern who they are? Boy, a perfect picture, isn't it? You see them? This brings us to our second main point. The characteristics of a false prophet. The characteristics. So let's look. Let's see what they look like. So we can know and be ready and be discerning. He gives us the answer. Isn't that good news? The Lord gives us exactly what to look for. By the way, if you, if you misrepresent or misinterpret Matthew 7, you can't even use these verses here. Matthew 7, 1, judge not lest you be judged. If you think that means never be discerning, never judge, don't read 16 to 20. Because he's contradicting himself. But the facts are, he's not saying that. He's saying don't be self-righteous in your judgment. Thinking you're better than other people. Here he's saying what? Be judging. (laughs) Judge. Look at it and evaluate. That's what he says. Verse 16. You will know them by their fruits. You will know them by their fruits. That's their and you will know them is talking back about who? The false prophets that he just talked about in the previous verse. Grapes are not gathered from thorn bushes, nor figs from thistles, are they? So every good tree bears good fruit, but the bad tree bears bad fruit. A good tree cannot produce bad fruit, nor can a bad tree produce good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. So then, you will know them by their fruits. How can we discern these evil teachers? How can we know whether someone is a false teacher or not? You will know them by their fruits. He says it. You will know them by their fruits. Fruit is another metaphor Jesus used to illustrate his point. First he used the sheep's and wolves' clothing. Now he uses fruit. His point was, the produce reveals the false teacher's ways. What comes from them. Grapes are not gathered from thorn bushes, nor figs from thistles, are they? 
Obviously, another rhetorical question. One that everybody that was listening to this would say, I know exactly what he's talking about. It wouldn't have been a complex thing. Grapes were not gathered from thorn bushes. Oh, yeah, that makes sense. They would have known that. For us, we're like, are there no thorns on those? Because we don't go pick grapes. But they would have known that this doesn't happen. Figs were never gathered from thistles by, the, by way of hands. How many of you have picked figs before? Please raise your hand. Wow, there's some fig pickers. <laughs> were there thistles on those figs? <laughs> oh, his point is very clear, isn't it? It's very clear. He goes further and says... So every good tree bears good fruit, but the bad tree bears bad fruit. You do what you are. You produce what you are. A good tree can't produce bad fruit, nor can a bad tree produce good fruit. Man, if you do this, I mean, he's covering every angle, isn't he? He's making sure you understand, look, you cannot, if you're evil, produce good If all you are is evil and you're about you and you're about self-righteousness, you cannot ultimately produce good. But if you're for God and God's working in you, then what you do and what you produce is good. You can't produce evil. The point is a person's heart reveals who they are by what they say and do and what they produce. Eventually, we will see who we are with time. Very, 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 very important. Trees do not grow fruit immediately. And I think it's implied by this metaphor. Is that there will be a time and then fruit will produce and you will see, ah, that's garbage. Very, very important. Time will pass before fruit comes. But when fruit comes, the tree is revealed whether it's good or bad. Listen closely, beloved. There are two primary fruits that reveal the false teacher. I was thinking on this, meditating on this this week, and thinking about what's good fruit and bad fruit and things like that. Jesus didn't give specifics. He does in a little bit. He'll say this is how they are in the end. And that kind of gives some revelation too. We'll talk about that as we go along. But the two primary fruits that reveal what a teacher is about is what they personally do. What their personal life is like. Whether they actually live what they teach and preach. Whether they live righteously and honoring. You know the... The qualifications for an elder are laid out that way for a reason. We understand as elders, and I don't know about you, I think all the elders in the room would agree with this. When we read this in 1 Timothy 3, there, there's somewhat of a conviction that comes over too. Because it means the bar is what? Really high, above reproach. But it's there for a reason. Now, again, I'm not bragging on myself because I, at times, are like, how do I even fit in this? 
But by the grace of God that works within me, He's given amazing grace. And to be honest, I, I, at the moment I begin to boast, even for a second, I think to myself, I need to step down. Because I, know, I put no confidence in the flesh. None. But what they do reveals what they are about. And whether their message should be trusted. Also, a second one is what are the results of their work? What are the results of their work? You look at the evangelical church in America. And there's a lot of people that profess to be believers. Would you not agree? But why do we look how we look? Why is pornography such a huge problem just as much in the evangelical church as it is in the world? That's scary, isn't it? What does that speak to? You ready? It speaks to who's been teaching them and what they've been taught. Yeah, I'm laying it on the preacher now. I'm laying it on the shepherds. Yes, you're responsible, beloved. Yes, you're responsible. But false teachers lead to false converts. People that think they're believers, but they're really not. Look at the world. Look at America's church as a whole, the church, professing church. And you say... There's something wrong with the teachers. That would be a good conclusion. So what is bad fruit? First and foremost, it's a life that is unholy and unrighteous. Just as Jesus has exposed all the way through this letter, hasn't he? All the way through the sermon. He's shown the contrast. It's a life that doesn't bring glory to God. It's a life that's all about... Himself, the false prophet. The false prophet speaks false messages too. They say, as we read in our Old Testament passage, peace, peace to those who are in judgment. They say, God saves by works, not by faith in Jesus. That's what they say. They say, you're fine in that sin. It's okay. God made you that way. This is where it's going, do you know, and you understand, beloved. These false teachers are also all the time living, unholy, godless, materialistic, selfish lives. Unholy. We saw it this week, didn't we? How many of you were grieved by the news of the Roman Catholic priests in Pennsylvania? Comes out 1,000 children were abused by priests. Even small children. And some of the things that were said, I mean, I literally wanted to throw up as I was reading these letters or the, the news reports. 
things that they did with the cross to children. I'm like, you've got to be kidding me. It's demonic. It's evil. Beyond our comprehension. And they call themselves men of God. These men are absolutely sick. The death penalty would be a light sentence. Thankfully, they will roast in hell forever if they don't repent. And I mean that. And they deserve it. And God does not like this. He hates it with a passion. I'm sorry, I'm this kind of stuff. feel like Moses coming down from the Mount Sinai with the Ten Commandments. Break it on their heads, right? And again, I, I, I say all this with a, a sober reality that I can do nothing apart from Christ. I can do nothing apart from Christ. I'm vulnerable too. I'm just as sinful as any other man in the room. I have the same propensities. Oh, God, please protect me. And I hope you're praying for your pastors. It's deeply grieving, isn't it? Yet this kind of evil is perpetrated for years by so-called people of God, men of God. And listen, this goes over into the Protestant groups too, sadly. Bill Gothard's system and what he's now been accused of. Bill Hybels, the starter of the seeker-sensitive movement, just recently was exposed to. Creflo Dollar asked for $300 million to buy from his people, and ultimately bought a $65 million private jet. Eddie Long, very well-known pastors. Young boys came forward accusing him of intimate abuse. Jimmy Swaggart confessed twice on it publicly. Jim Baker went to jail for fraud. There's, I could go on and on. There's a list a mile long. I could just sit here and name you. Keep going. Name after name after name after name after name of people that were the face of Christianity in America. That's discouraging, isn't it? Beloved, we need Christ. You need Christ. You need the Lord to help you. Because you can be led astray. You say, Mike, 
you are really going deep on this. Yes, I am. I want to warn you. I want you to feel the full brunt of fear. A healthy one. That will cause you to go to your knees and cry out to God for protection. And drive you to your Bibles so that you will evaluate what's said. But a second fruit of these false prophets is their disciples don't follow Jesus and value his word. And this is exactly what I said. Look at the church in America. We ask why it looks like it looks. It's because of who's taught it. Is it just me or it blows my mind that some of the worst teachers, the false teachers, are the ones that have TV channels. They're always running. They're always on television. Yet anything that shows any evidence of anything godly and Christ-like and biblically based, it lasts for about two weeks. Maybe a month or two. It's what comes out. It's the fruit. It's the disciples that follow these people. You see it. You see the fruit. They become like their leaders. But the true teachers of God make true followers. Because they teach the truth and live the message they preach. And listen closely. They don't make followers of them. (laughs) They make followers of Jesus. Do you get that? I want you to understand. I'm so thankful I don't preach every service. I don't want to preach every service. Come to the pastor's class tonight. What's that? That's the one when other elders teach or the Sunday school. It shouldn't be about Mike. And the moment is it about Mike, I need to step down. It's about all of our leaders, our men, as they teach. Please, don't follow me. I could be gone tomorrow. Follow Jesus. His word. That's all that matters. If I'm close to it, if I'm on the word, stick with it. The word, not me. Now, does that mean I don't want you to be loyal and kind and gracious? No, I want you to be... Please do that. (laughs) Don't make my job miserable. (laughs) But come on, beloved. It's not about a person, is it? That's one of the reasons why I'm a little afraid that We're known as one of those John MacArthur schools. I don't want you to come for John MacArthur. (laughs) Because I'm not John MacArthur. Okay? Come for the Bible. That's what we're about. Though I think John does a great job of expositing, but it's not about John. (laughs) And he would even say that. The authorities in the word. Jesus concludes this description of the characteristics of the false prophets with this promise. So then you will know them by their fruits. Another reason why we can't take judge not lest you be judged. Because he says you'll know them. You'll see it. You'll be discerning. 
Jesus rebukes self-righteous judgment, but encourages discernment. Now, I know evaluating pastors and teachers is not something our society tells us to do, but Jesus expects us to do it. And it goes the same for us. You have a responsibility to check what we teach, as I mentioned. Either way, you have access to countless preachers and teachers today, but I want you to be careful, beloved. Remember, we don't want to know what a person thinks it means today. We want to know what the author meant when he first wrote it. You understand the difference? That's so important. We take and we twist the scriptures to make it about what we want to make people do. That's wrong. We want to know what the scriptures meant in their original context and stick with it. Arguably, this is the biggest problem in evangelical church today is people don't study to know what a passage says and means in its original context. Instead, they rely on the teacher or preacher to give them what they think it means. Please don't do that. Be a diligent student of the word. Know one thing for sure. The false prophets and teachers have a dark future ahead of them, though. Look at the last point. The condemned future of the false prophets. There is a degree to which when we read this passage, it should bring a little bit of fear in everybody's heart. Right? Has anybody ever read this passage and said, I hope that's not me? Oh, oh, oh good. Go to Christ. <laughs> Go to the Lord. <laughs> Realize that all good that we do is from Him, not us. Notice he states, Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but he who does the will of my Father who is in heaven will enter. Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name? And in your name... Cast out demons and in your name perform many miracles or works of power? Question mark. And then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you who practice lawlessness. What did we say? We were the fulfillment of the law. When we follow Christ, as we trust in him, we fulfill the law, right? Whereas the contrast would be the false teachers that what? are lawless. They're lawless. These words should bring a concern to all of us. But ultimately, Jesus' first audience is who? The false prophets, the false teachers, the self-righteous. Now, if you have a problem with self-righteousness and you think you've arrived and you're better than everybody else, this applies to you directly. Take it seriously. But ultimately, that's the group he has in mind. But we don't want to be like the false prophets. Though we still can have that propensity, can't we? So what do we do? We repent. We turn to God. We abide in Christ. We ask for help. Protection. Jesus warns that affirming his lordship verbally that judgment doesn't mean anything. They will say to me, Lord, Lord. They know him as Lord. 
That's scary, isn't it? Everyone, by the way, will affirm Jesus' lordship at final judgment. Everybody, every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. Both the evil ones and the righteous ones. Everyone's going to say, Jesus is Lord. The key distinction is a heart committed to obey and trust in Him. That's the key distinction. Jesus says, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but he who does the will of my Father who is in heaven will enter. Now, immediately we think, wait, 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 wait. Does that mean if I do the revealed will of God, then I'm going to heaven? Yes. But does that mean that if I obey the will of God, I earn my way to heaven? No, that would miss the whole point. You better listen closely. Because that's not what he's saying. We are saved. We, rather, listen closely. We are not saved by obeying God's word. We are not saved by obeying God's word. But we are saved in order to obey God's word. That's so important. You must get that. You better not turn that around. You turn it around. You turn it upside down on its head. And guess what? You're on the Broadway that leads to destruction. We aren't saved by good works. But we are delivered from bondage by the Spirit of God that works within us. And sealed with the Spirit by the power of the gospel to do good works. We aren't saved by works, but we are delivered to do good works. Everybody knows Ephesians 2.8, right? For by grace we're saved through faith, and that, not of yourself. It's a gift of God. How many of you know Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10? For we are His workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works. Three verses later, which God prepared beforehand by his sovereign plan so that we would walk in them. The false prophets, however, works are dead works. They're works that come from an unrepentant, unredeemed, unregenerate hearts. They are religious works That seek to elevate themselves, not glorify God. Crucial difference. Look at the religious works these lost people will do, but find themselves outside God's kingdom. It says it in the verse. Many will say to me, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name? Wow. Did we not proclaim revelation from God in your name? And in your name, cast out demons. Man, I just, it was only a couple weeks ago I read an article where the Roman Catholics have a resurgence in how they're casting out demons. Special priests that are casting out demons. I immediately thought of this verse. 
And in your name perform many miracles. Many powerful things, displays. Oh, people, listen to me. We can't trust our eyes always. That sounds crazy. But I'm telling you the truth. Some of the things you see aren't going to line up with Scripture. You can't also trust always your emotions, your feelings. It can look really real. Just realize we don't know always the source of what we see. Be warned. This is a shocking list, isn't it? Prophesy in God's name. Cast out demons in God's name. Do powerful works in God's name. And those people are not doing the will of God. And they're not going to heaven. They're going to hell for eternity. None of these, however, none of these things are good works in God's view. None of them. The reason they're not good works is because they come from hearts that are not truly related to Jesus and dependent upon Him. Religious works from an unrepentant heart are filthy rags, as the Apostle Paul states. This is why we put no confidence in the flesh. All good works that are truly God-glorifying works are from God, not man. And beloved, you need to understand, an abiding relationship with Jesus is the only way a person can do good works. You need God. For apart from me, you can do nothing, is what Jesus said. Nothing. Everyone else, their doom is sure. Notice, it closes. And then... I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you who practice lawlessness. Man, if there was one phrase I do not want to be pronounced at the end, it's that one. Right? Well, I want to give you some hope. Like I try to every week. Don't try to clean yourself up. Don't try to be, okay, I'm going to keep the law. I'm going to do it. Because he's not going to be able to say that about me at the end. Because if you say that, guess what? You'll be there. You'll be on the Broadway that leads to destruction. Here's what you need to do. Cry out to God. I need a Savior. Jesus is my only hope. I can't do this. I need you. I need you now. I need you tomorrow. I need you tonight. I need you every second of the day. Please help me. I am without hope apart from you. And with you and by your grace, I can follow you. And I can honor you. And I can love you. And I can serve you. And I can glorify you. And I can show you off. And I can produce the fruit of the Spirit because the 
Spirit's going to work through me as I keep my eyes on Christ. And He's my vision. And I enjoy Him. And as I delight in Christ and I know the gospel is about Him, not me, then the fruit is produced. And God answers prayers. For I was dead tired coming up. Walking up the stairs, I said, I believe in the Holy Spirit. I believe in the Holy Spirit. I believe in the Holy Spirit. I'm going to give this to them even though I am dead. Tired. I can't do this. Let me tell you, Jesus Christ is great. (laughs) He's what it's all about. And we can follow Him. And we can enjoy Him. And we can delight in Him. Serve King Jesus, not yourself. Let's pray. Father, thank You. You are a good and gracious and faithful God. We're so, so needy. We're so prone to do the same things that these false prophets do. Prone to still exalt ourselves. Prone to think too much of ourselves. Prone to try to work to get something. Somehow earn our way to you. Still prone to do wicked things like that. Please forgive us. Please help us, Lord, to honor you. To trust in you. To depend upon you. Please protect us from the evil one. Protect everyone here. Please help us, Lord, to be discerning, to not follow false teachers, to be diligent, faithful workers for you, servants for you. Help us to study your word, to know your word, to apply your word, to live your word. Only by you, God, can we do this. We can do nothing apart from you. We know it. We understand it. We affirm it. That's what your word says. And we know this about our hearts. We need you, God. Please help us. Please help us. God, we love you. We thank you for the righteousness that comes from Christ Jesus, our Lord. And that because of him and because of his death and because of his resurrection, we have eternal life. Because of him, not because of us, but because of him. And because of him, we want to serve you now. Take us, Lord. Use us for your glory forever and ever and ever. May you be exalted in all that we do. We pray this in the matchless name of Jesus Christ, the Lord God Almighty. Amen.